Hey there, my friend, and welcome to another episode of the Mark Struchowski podcast. Before we get into the podcast episode today, I want to invite you to head on over to my website, overwhelmsucks.com. Yes, you did hear that correctly, overwhelmsucks.com. Pick up my free guide, 10 Quick Ways to Conquer Overwhelm. I know that when you're overwhelmed, the last thing you want to do is read a long report, so I intentionally made this free guide simple to read and most importantly to implement so get your free guide 10 quick ways to conquer overwhelm at overwhelmsucks.com herman simon is a phd and a world-renowned management thinker consultant pricing expert entrepreneur and leading authority on the hidden champions business model He is the founder and honorary chairman of Simon Kucher and Partners, the world's leading price consultancy with over 1,700 employees and 42 offices worldwide. Simon is the author of 40 books in 30 different languages, including worldwide bestseller Hidden Champions, first published by Harvard Business School in 1996. Herman, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. I'm looking forward to our discussion. All the way from Germany, and I, I think this is very interesting. I don't think I've ever had a guest on the show over five and a half years. I've never had a guest from Germany, so you're making history today. Germany is an unknown territory in the management uh, business scene, and that's a big advantage for us. Well, when your team reached out to me, they they told me one of the things you're really passionate about is Germany's hidden champion business. And when I when I read that, I'm like, ooh, a hidden champion business? I mean, who doesn't want to know what a hidden champion business is? Because it feels like you're you're pulling back the curtain and you're sharing with us something that maybe a lot of people don't know about. I go back to 1987 when a famous Harvard business professor, Ted Levitt, visited me in Germany. And Ted had made the term globalization popular in an article in the Harvard Business Review. So he was interested in the competitiveness of countries. And he asked a very simple question. Why is Germany so successful in exports? And just the year before, we had overtaken the US in exports and became the global number one. So that made me think. And of course, the first thought is, this is due to the large companies, Mercedes, BMW, Siemens, etc. And the more I I was a professor at that time, I I thought about it, I did research, uh, I had master's thesis written on the topic. I found this is not due to the large corporations, but it's due to companies. We call this sector the Mittelstand, the middle-sized firms. And over the years, I found a very large number of mid-sized global market leaders who nobody knows. So I called them champions, global market leaders, hidden, unknown global market leaders. And they are the spearhead of the German economy. And uh, even today, we are as successful in, in exports as we were 35 years ago. Wow. Well, I know here in America, the backbone is small business. It's not the conglomerates. It's the small business. Is that, are you saying it's the same thing over in Germany? I'm not talking of small business in general, but I'm talking of businesses, which may be small or mid-sized. So say 
revenue of, of, of 100, 200 million euros or dollars. But they are not the typical small business. They are global businesses. Most of these companies have more than 50 subsidiaries all over the world. Uh, they run more than 2,000 factories in China and nobody knows them. Let me just uh, ask you for an estimate. How many suppliers does Apple have in Germany? I didn't know they had any supplies in Germany. Yeah. So you <laughs> say it's maybe one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you sitting? 767. Whoa. And you don't know any of them. Just to give you one example. Are you occasionally lose, uh, using Siri or of Apple or Alexa of Amazon? The software behind Siri is LSTM. That stands for long short term memory. This is one of the more than 700 suppliers of Apple and it's the LSTM software is installed on more than 3 billion smartphones. Wow. Uh, we have over the years, over the last 30 years, I, I continued to do research on these hidden champions and uh, worldwide I detected about 3,500, 1,600, more than 40% are from Germany. Wow, that's, that is mind-blowing. I'm glad I'm sitting down when you said that because I think the, the closest example I can have is over here, our space program in America. We know the, like the Morton Thiokols and the big companies, but there are so many smaller companies that all participate in the getting things off the ground and into space. We don't think about it because they're not names we would yeah. not recognize, yeah. but everyone yeah. knows who Morton Thor Thiokol is. But the smaller companies that maybe make the yeah. O-rings or yeah. something, they're kind of like, to use your word, hidden. Let me pick this example, SpaceX. SpaceX makes the combustion chambers of the rockets by a method called investment casting. That is a method which can make very, very complex shapes. These uh, combustion chambers are made on uh, products, uh, systems coming from a very small German company, MK Technology. And uh, in the Los Angeles factories, they have uh, six of these MK systems, which do the work of 1,000 large 3D printers. Six MK systems replace 1,000 large 3D printers. And uh, Elon Musk is, is building a new factory for SpaceX in Texas, and MK technology again got the order. Uh, or, or let me give you... One of the most impressive examples, most modern technology to manufacture ships is called extreme ultraviolet lithography. And the machines are made by a Dutch hidden champion, ASML. And it's an ecosystem with two German hidden champions. One is Trumpf, the global leader in industrial lasers. They contribute the laser. This laser weighs 17 tons and has 450,000 components. And the other partner is SAIS, a global leader in op optical and photonics products. They contribute the optical system, which is even more complex than the laser. But of course, nobody who uses an iPhone or a computer <laughs> knows how these ships are made and that they are made on German technology. And, uh, the, the Americans even prohibit that this technology is sold to China. So it's uh, they have practically a monopoly for these 
they, they don't call it, or they say that's not rocket science. That's much more than a rocket science. You know, when you talked about the 700 plus companies in Germany that help Apple, I'm like, how how does that marriage happen? How does Apple in Cupertino, California, find out about these hidden German companies? I mean, do you have any idea how they find each other? They are, of course, not hidden to their customers. So if you are in a business, you produce a certain product and need machines, need components, etc., you know them. They have actually very intimate relations to their customer. Actually, closeness to customer, proximity to customer is the biggest strength of these hidden champions. And that, for instance, uh, I, I measured that also in quantitative terms. 38% of the employees of hidden champions have regular customer contacts. In large corporations, that's only 8%. I think that tells you everything about proximity to customer. And one of their specific strengths is that in their innovations, they have, by the way, five times more patents per employees and large corporations. They are much better in integrating technology and customer needs due to this customer proximity. And that's what innovation is about, to integrate technology and customer needs to deliver highest value to customer. Just another example, a company called Rosen. They are the global leader in pipeline inspection systems. This is also about as high or deep tech as it can get. They displaced General Electric from the first rank in this market uh, because they integrate technology and customer needs better than the large corporation did. And I wow. could give you hundreds of, of similar examples. You see, you don't know any of these companies because they are, as you described it, behind the visible screen of the market. We, we, uh, we underestimate how deep the value chains are, how many specialists you need uh, to eventually uh, produce uh, an iPhone or uh, another complex product. Interesting. Well, let's pivot over to, I know a topic you're really passionate about is profit. And I can see you have some books behind you that you have written. One says true profit. So why don't you kick us off? You know, what is profit? I mean, I think people think they know what profit is, but from mm. talking to you and reading your stuff online, I, I'm beginning to wonder if people really understand what profit really is. If you read the newspapers or, or listen to the people, they mostly call a thing profit, which is not profit. For instance, they call EBIT, earnings before interest and taxes, profit. That's not profit. You have to pay interest, you have to pay taxes. Or worse, they call it EBIT DA, including depreciation and amortization. And uh, some of the biggest cheaters are, are companies, when they go public, 84% of the companies which went public in New York don't make a profit in the sense of true profit. True profit is what the company can keep after it has fulfilled all obligations towards employees, vendors, banks, the state, and Everything the company owes something to. That is true profit, net profit after all taxes and costs. And so let's say, let me make sure I understand this. So let's say in one month I make a hundred dollars. Yeah. And after I pay taxes, my employees, 
my rent, my suppliers, I'm left with $5. My profit is actually $5. Absolutely. Perfect definition. Now, there's a couple of, of issues in this game. What do people think what this true profit is? There are studies in the US. I personally did studies in, the, in, in Germany. In Germany, I asked people in the street exactly the, the same question you just described. And the average answer was 22%. In the US, it's even 31%. The record holder is Italy, where people in the street think, the consumers, the normal people think, that companies have a net profit of 38%. So Germany, 22, US, 31, and uh, Italy, 38. And in other countries, it's similar. You know what the true profit rates are? Over, over many years, it's close to your 5%. Wow. The, the U.S. is over the years a little below the average. Germany is, is well below the average. China is very low. Japan is very low. Some other countries like Switzerland are much higher. So the average profit, net profit of companies across the world is about 5%. But then we have a problem which explains some of the distorted perceptions. We have a few super, superstars which make margins, net margins of more than 25%. For instance, the tech companies in the US, Apple, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, all have 25% or more. And people think that this is a typical company, but that has absolutely nothing to do with the, uh, the average company in, in, uh, Omaha, Nebraska, uh, that's a bad place because it's a place of, of Warren Buffett or the average company uh, in your place, somewhere in Texas. They are happy if they get the 5% you, you mentioned. And um, that is a problem. Now we have another problem, which we call inflation. <laughs> this book <laughs> is coming out in a few weeks because if you have 3, 4, 5%, the buffer against inflation is very, very tiny. But if employees think that you make 20 or 25%, they are not concerned. And uh, this is the danger of this misperception of the true profitability. Mm. Well, here in America, we have, depending on where you get your numbers, anywhere from 85 to 10% inflation. And so what people don't understand, and I certainly don't have the breadth of knowledge on this that you do, but... Math, I like simple math. So let's say the inflation is 10%, but you get a 5% raise. You're still behind the curve, correct? Of course, of course. And uh, it's already tough to get a 5 to, to increase your prices by 5%. That depends on your, what we call pricing power. Our finding uh, at Simon Kutcher, we are the global leader in, in price consulting, is that of the cost increases, you can realistically pass through to your customers 50%. You have to bring your costs down that can contribute another 20, 25% to the gap, but you have to swallow something. It's unrealistic that you go unaffected uh, against inflation. Some companies who have high pricing power, let me take again, Apple, if Apple increases the prices for the iPhone by 10%, not much would happen. Customers would not jump ship. 
if Huawei or uh, Samsung do that, they would lose 30% of their customers. So it depends very much. And, and under inflationary conditions, this is the most important point to understand how does the willingness of your customers to pay change. Does it increase accordingly? And uh, there we see huge differences across the industries. In, in a recent study, we found that at the uh, in, in the supermarket daily purchases, 54% of the people say, of the consumers say, that they pay more attention to price, switch to cheaper products. For vacation, only 18% say that. They've saved money. They didn't have vacation uh, for the last two corona years. So that's untouchable. So it means you really have to understand how does your consumer, how does your environment, your competition change under these inflationary conditions. Got overwhelm? Then you need to get my free guide, 10 Quick Ways to Conquer Overwhelm. This free guide will help you quickly deal with overwhelm so you can get back to making the impact you've dreamed of. Get your copy for free at OverwhelmSucks.com. Let me ask you this question. This, uh, As you were talking there, this question just popped in my head. So I'm a big Apple fan. I have every Apple product they sell that I need. And I would like to know, they're like a multi-trillion dollar valuation company now. And when they come out with their iPhones, let's say, like I have the iPhone 13 Pro Max. Let's say the iPhone 13 Pro Max costs them $500 to manufacture. I'm kind of keep the math simple here but they sell it for 1200 Would If Apple turned around and sold that phone for $800, only making a $300 per unit profit, wouldn't they crush the competition because you get a, a better phone at a much less price? I don't understand why they don't do that so they can crush Google. Yeah, that's very sim- uh, one very simple reason. If they sold it for 200 uh, the volume would probably be three times higher and they could not deliver they, ah. they have limited capacity. Again, you see there are bottlenecks in electronic ships and everything. So they find a balance between, uh, between the capacity and what the market will, will okay. accept. And uh, in the longer term, they are certainly better off with the higher price. Uh, they, they don't go and, and that is a difference to some Chinese or, or Korean. Uh, companies they don't go for the maximum market share or maximum volume, but they they have about fifteen percent market share for smartphones globally, but they extract eighty percent of the profit. You talk about Apple. Apple, yes. Wow. Of course, they live out in California, where it's high taxation. A lot of businesses, like you mentioned, uh, SpaceX and Elon Musk, are moving to Texas with the, the yeah. tax infra- infrastructure is lower, but. Apple built the spaceship out there in Cupertino, so they're not going to move out of California. Yeah, yeah, and of course, they do not uh, pay all their taxes in California. Uh, these companies typically in Europe have uh, the European headquarters in Ireland, where the taxes are extremely low. Uh, so the location of the headquarter uh, does not determine the, the total tax load of these companies. Now, you told me you know why America has a profit problem. What What is our profit problem over here in the U.S.? The profit problem is not one cause or one dimensional. So the main profit killers are the following. Wrong goals. If you go for market share for maximum volume, let me, let me give you two, two 
company suitcases. Volkswagen said for years we want to overtake Toyota in terms of the number of cars we produce. And they were became successful, overtook Toyota in 2018 and following years. But the profitability of Volkswagen is only half set of Toyota and the market capitalization is also only half set. I remember a presentation we did to Sony in Tokyo many years ago. Even the newest cameras or things, they sold at discounts of 30%. So I said, you want to be a premium brand and you sell your newest products at a discount of 30%. That is inconsistent. Then the global head of Sony said, Dr. Simon, but then we lose market share. And that was a taboo for a Japanese company. So that was the end of the discussion. Even I did not object because I know the Japanese culture. The other point is price wars. Uh, in our global pricing study, 59% of the companies say they are involved in price wars. It means the total market volume does not expand, but they all, all sell at lower prices. Behind that is very often overcapacities. If you have overcapacities in an industry, be it hotels, be it airlines, you are not going to make a profit. The, the airline industry is 100 years old. It has not made a profit over the 100 years. If you add it up, it's, it's zero. It's, <laughs> it's unbelievable. So you see some of these problems, wrong goals, price wars, overcapacities. And many American companies, in my experience, are competition-driven. They, they want to beat the competition. That is the way towards disaster. Is it just American companies, though? No, it's, uh, for instance, in, in retail in Germany, there are four retailers, Aldi, Lidl, and, and two others, who have 85% of the market, and they are in fights all the time. So... Uh, and in, in Japan, as I said, market share is uh, is very, very important. So it differs. In, in Japan, by the way, I said across the world, 59% said that they are in price wars. In Japan, it was 84%. So practically everybody is in a, wow. it's a permanent price war. That, you know, and I, I heard somebody say a couple of years ago that people are in the price war. If you look at Walmart, Walmart is continuing to drive down prices. So is Amazon. Yeah. But at some point you hit zero and then you start giving away your product. So I, I don't want to play in the lowest price game. I want to make a profit going back to what we said earlier. And I think if you're chasing yeah. the lowest price, you're not going to make as much money. So like I'm a coach, yeah. I'm not going to compete with other coaches because yeah. there's only yeah. one Mark Strachowski in the world. Yeah. I'm not going to go at a discount rate because yeah. When I buy products, and probably you too, Sir Herman, you buy products. If I said, here's a brand new iPhone for five bucks, the first question you're going to say, what's wrong with it? Is it stolen? And so I think there's something to be said about a premier price. Mm -hmm. But we have to introduce a further aspect that's cost. If your costs are lower due to whatever reason, you manufacture in a, in a low price country, you have better economies of scale, you buy more, then you can afford to lower your prices and still make a profit. For instance, Aldi, the retailer, the hard discounter, they are extremely efficient. So their margin, in spite of having the lowest prices, is still higher than the margin of the premium food retailers. Oh, wow. And uh, this applies also partially to, to Walmart. 
though the net margins in, in, in retail are very low between one and, and three uh, percent. So they are even much lower than the five percent you, you mentioned. And of course, uh, you have to take into account your cost situation to decide on the price positioning you, you choose. But if you want to have a higher price, that leads us to the core of pricing. I said we are global leader in price consulting with, with 2000 people. The core of price is value, value to customer. And uh, the old Romans in their Latin language, they already understood that they have the same word for value and price, namely pretium. Oh, wow. That is the fundamental equation of, of pricing. Value and price must be in balance. If you offer a higher value, you have uh, Mark as a fan of Apple products. Apple can afford to charge $1,300 for the iPhone Pro 13 Pro, etc. Only because they offer you higher perceived value. That's why you are willing to pay this out, even the price, which is very high relative to the cost, so make that product. Hmm. So when you talk about value, about price, your first thought should always be, what is the value, the perceived value we deliver to our customers? I think I see that more now than ever before because it's not only in the marketplace, it's also on social media. So when I put content on social media, no one cares who I am. They care about what value am I of giving them. So yeah. it can't it, you if you want to be successful in this world, you have to lead with value because if you don't know me, you're not going to buy my product. I don't who are you? And so you have to give value to everyone you come in contact with social media or in person or wherever the case may be, because I think now, because we're in a 24, seven, 365 global society, there are so many options for people. The number one thing I think you could distinguish yourself from other people is not price, like you said, but on value. I think the people who are pushing value out are the ones that are going to win in the long run. I am an absolute fan of this theory that your first, your starting point, your uh, ambition should be to deliver value. And uh, to come back to the hidden champions, it starts there with the ambition to be the best. For instance, Stiel, that's a global leader in chainsaw. They say, we only make something if we can do it better than anybody else. The ambition to be the best. This is the energy which drives the hidden champions entrepreneurs and uh, lets them to global market leadership. Ambition to be the best. And to add something to this, you can only achieve that through focus. Only focus leads to world class. Focus, on the other hand, makes the market small. But of course, you focus on a certain topic, on a technology, on a customer group. How do you make it large? By globalizing. And these are the three pillars of Sweden Champion Strategy. Ambition to be the best, focus, because only focus leads to world class, globalization to make the market big. For instance, in, in the company I founded, uh, we are, we have today 43 offices all over the world. We are a niche consultants, pricing. If we do that only in Germany, that would be a very small market. If we do it worldwide, we cross more than last year, we crossed 522 million. So that's, for a, a farm boy like me, that's a pretty, <laughs> pretty large sum. 
Well, one question I want to ask you as we begin to wrap up things here is where do you see all, everything we talked about in the show today? Profit, you know, hidden companies and stuff like this. Where do you see it in the future? You know, three years, five years, 10 years. Where do you think the marketplace is going? I am moderately optimistic in spite of all the problems we have. Uh, globalization has brought us so much progress and I hope that the Ukraine war will come to an end, that the tensions between America and China will not lead to a hot war. And if the, this political global situation uh, remains relatively stable, everybody who has these ambitions has huge opportunities. And I, I said, I, I am a farm boy. I grew up on a very small farm, could say in the middle ages in the 1950s. I described, by the way, my, my story in this book, Many Worlds, One Life, from farmhouse to global stage. And our generation, my generation, and that's also true for the current generation, they have so many opportunities. You said everybody has access to all information in the world. Uh, we can travel, uh, we can study abroad, etc. So the opportunities are there, and I can only hope that the politicians are responsible enough not to destroy this. Uh, then the world that's will a, that's continue a big hope. to grow. We will be uh, better off. And to conclude with one personal recommendation, my motto is, also from the old Romans, per aspera ad astra. That means that's in Latin, on rough roads to the star. If you are a young person, don't assume that everything goes smoothly, but keep your eye on the stars. And when there are difficulties, overcome them. Don't be discouraged. Don't get frustrated. Keep on going per aspera ad astra on rough roads to the stars. I love that. And I hope that people understand that it's not the politicians that determine how successful you are. If you innovate, if you have a profit, that's your responsibility. Whether you're a, a solopreneur like me yeah. or you're a Fortune 50 company, it's your responsibility. The politicians are going to do what they're going to do. They you know, just leave them alone, let them ruin the world, and we'll come behind them and clean up the mess. So, Absolutely. Herman, where can people go to find out more about you? The easiest way is hermansimon.com, Herman with one R, two N, or simon-kutcher.com. That's the homepage of our company. Hermansimon.com or simon.kutcher, K-U-C-H-E-R.com. Well, this has been an incredible conversation with you. Uh, is even cooler with the really cool. And now you don't think you have a German accent, but I think it was pretty cool because it added to the, to the ambiance of the, the show. I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing the information because I learned a lot and I know my listeners did. Yeah. So thank you so much, sir. Uh, after the first sentence, I say to Americans, people say, Herman, are you German? Whereas when my wife says uh, she's also of German origin, she says the first sentence, they ask, Cecilia, are you American? <laughs> People are different. Yes. Thank you so much, Herman. Yeah. My pleasure, Mark. <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I really appreciate your time and attention. Before you go, I'd like to ask you for a favor. If you have not subscribed to this podcast in your podcast player of choice, would you do that right now? This way, every time a new episode comes out, you will be informed. Second thing is, while you are subscribing, please consider leading a rating and a review this helps the podcast get discovered and the third thing i know i'm asking a lot of you the third thing is if you know of someone who can use this episode right now why don't you just share it with them every podcast player that i'm aware of makes it really easy to share an episode so if you're thinking of a family a colleague a neighbor a friend who needs to hear this episode go ahead and hit that share button and send this podcast to them right away so i can help them like i helped you. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back real soon with a brand new episode.